Nazir Perik Dalad Mishnah Dalad four four. The case of the Mishnah here is we have a woman who committed to be a Nazira. She then set aside animals or money for her korbanos, for the conclusion of Naziris, and then her husband canceled her Naziris, so now she can't bring those animals as offerings. The question is, well, what do we do with the animals now? Since she's not a Naziris, she can't bring the Naziris korbanos, but what should she do? So, um, just a moment of uh, introduction here. We actually haven't discussed the korbanos that are brought at the conclusion of Naziris. So, um, the Pasuk specifies um, what we brought. Pasuk says, this is the rules for the Nazir when they complete their Nazir's commitment. So it says, These are the following offerings to Hashem. So one animal is an Ola, that's a burned offering, and it will be a Keves, meaning a male sheep, in its first year. That's the first one. Then you have you have a, a kivsa, kvasa is a female sheep, again, bashnasa in its first year, and this will be for a chatas, sin offering. And then you have va'ail echad tamim lishlamim. You have one aisle, an aisle is a ram, that means a male sheep in its, that's one year, one month, and one day old, like being its 14th month. That's brought as a shlamim. So you have the the female sheep as the ola. Excuse me, the male sheep in its first year as an ola. The female sheep in its first year as a chatas, and then you have the ram as a shlamim. So those are the three that the woman has to bring, or a man for that matter, if he's a nazir. So this woman over here says the Mishnah inside now. Haisha shenadra benazir, the woman who committed to be to be a nazira, vehifrisha es behemta, and then she separated her animal. This is in the singular, but the truth is it could be any or all of those, meaning he had, she had any of, or all of those three animals, and she consecrated them, saying, this will be my ola, or my shlamim, or my chatas. After that, her husband canceled her naziris. So now, the animals have been consecrated as the karbonas for a nazira, but there's no nazira here anymore, so they can't be brought as those. So, what do we do with the animals? So, says the Mishnah, if the animal in question, or animals in question, belonged to her husband. So then, they go right back to graze with the rest of the flock, meaning nothing is done with them at all, there's no consecration, and they're not they're not consecrated as karbanos, because the rule is, a person is not able, legally able, to consecrate something which doesn't belong to him. And in this case, if these animals belong to her husband, so then she had no right to consecrate them in the first place, and therefore there's nothing binding at all regarding the consecration. Uh, worth noting, of course, that under normal circumstances, married women typically don't have any assets of their own entirely. Um, and that being the case, understand that there's a separate shibut on the man. Man is obligated to bring korbanos, requisite korbanos that his wife must bring. But this situation is one in which she never actually had to bring any korbanos. So therefore, there are no requisite korbanos. He's not Meshubah to bring anything for her. And therefore, she they're not her animals to consecrate. So therefore, they're not consecrated at all. Um, just understand here also that we're talking about for it to be hers, the Mishnah now will say, if these animals were her animals, that means that they're hers, quote-unquote, free and clear. They're not, um, 
animals she brought into the marriage which the husband took responsibility for and committed a sum of money because those have become his. And they're not nechsim elug, because nechsim elug are animals she brings into the marriage that um, she actually owns them still, but the husband has, has usufruct rights, his rights to the peros, what it produces. Again, since the husband would have a partial economic right in those animals, she couldn't consecrate them either. So we're talking about animals that are hers entirely free and clear. Like, for example, you know, she had an uncle who said, I'm going to give you a gift of these animals on condition that your husband has no stake in them whatsoever. In such a scenario, the husband would have no stake whatsoever, and therefore they could be hers. So if that's the animals we're talking about, so what do we do? So we have three animals. First comes the chata, says the Mishnah. Hachatas tamus. The chatas is left to die. Uh, elsewhere, the mission describes there are five categories of chata sin offerings that are just um, left to die. They're not brought. Um, one of them is the chatas whose bilam, its owner, died prior to the chatas being offered. So since you have to bring a chatas for someone in specific, um, there's no way to give a voluntary chatas. So therefore, this chatas, which has no owner anymore, cannot be brought. And that's really the analogous case here. This woman was in Nazira, now she's not in Nazira, so this is a Nazir's chatas. There's no way to no one to bring it for. And therefore the chatas can't be brought. So the rule is a chatas that can't be brought like that because its owner died or similar here, the nazira is no longer nazira. So therefore um, we don't do anything with it in as much as we can't offer it, but we also can't use it again. So um, the halacha is that it's put in what's called a kippah, like a closed room, and left there um, to die. That's the treatment of the, of the chatas. So that's the chatas tamus. The ola, tikrav ola. The Ola offering, if that's what she set aside, so then that male first-year sheep would be brought as a voluntary Ola. Because since an Ola can be brought both as an obligatory Ola, in the case of, say, the Nazir over here, or as a voluntary Ola, we say it's the same animal with the same tra- uh, treatment exactly. So she'll bring her consecrated animal as an Ola, just as a Nadava, as a voluntary Ola. And there's no difference, it's entirely burned, and that's fine. So there's no real complication over there. But HaShlamim, now the Shlamim is more complicated. The Shlamim is the peace offering. And while there's such thing as a voluntary peace offering, you could bring a shlam as a nadava, and that's what's going to happen over here. It's a little complicated because the shlamim that the nazir brings at the conclusion of their naziris is a has at least three salient differences to the way that a normal shlam is brought, like a voluntary shlamim. Okay, so those differences are two of them are specified in the mishnah explicitly. One is that in addition to the shlamim, there are 20 loaves of bread that are brought with the shlamim if we're talking about a nazir's shlamim. Okay? Um, and those loaves of bread, are like, there are two groups of 10. Uh, 10 of them are brought as um, as chalos uh, matzah, like they're, 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 they're loaves, but they're matzah, meaning they're not chametzik loaves. And then there's also... Um, Rakikin, these are like kind of wafers. Kind of think of it as like Ashkenazi. This the chalas matzahs are like Sephardic matzah sort of, um, and the the um, rakikin are like the Ashkenazi cracker matzah, so to speak. In any case, um, those are what are brought in addition, and one of each are actually waved as part of this tanufa process before the offering of the. Amorim, etc. So the point is that those loaves of bread would be coming for a Nazir's concluding shlamim, but they're not brought for a regular shlamim. The second difference is that the the Nazir's shlamim has a, a smaller time frame 
for consumption. Normally, a shlamim can be eaten on what's called two days and a night, meaning the day that it's brought, the rest of that day, plus the whole night that follows that, plus the rest of the day after that. So it's like day, night, and day. That's for a regular shlamim. But for the nazir shlamim, it's only day and following night. So it's a shorter period of time. It's also a difference. The mission will bring up in a second. There's a third very salient difference between the two shlamim, which is not mentioned in the Mishnah. And that is that there's a procedure that's there's a procedure that's done with the Zroa Bishela, the Zroa, the right foreleg of the Shlamim, which is boiled and then included in like the waving, and it's gonna be given to the Kohanim to eat. So the Bailam, the owner, can't eat this right foreleg of the shlum of the Nazir, whereas the Shlamim from a regular Shlam, they could. The Bailam, the owner who brings it could eat it instead of the Kohanim. That third difference is not mentioned in, in the, the Mishnah explicitly. But the Mishnah therefore says inside, you're going to bring Vashlamim Tikrav Lashlamim, excuse me, Vashlamim Tikrav Shlamim, the Shlamim, the animal that was set aside as a Shlam by this woman after her commitment got cancelled. But you still have an animal consecrated with the sanctity of a Shlamim, a peace offering. So it can be brought as a voluntary Shlamim. It's just that you have to observe the strictures of a Nazir Shlamim, and therefore, Venechalun Yom Echad. You eat it in just one day, meaning the day and that night, and not the next day. And also, it's not ta'unin lechem. It doesn't require the bringing of these breads, these two loaves of breads, these, yeah, the two types of breads. Uh, the reason why is because, well, there's an obligation to bring those 20 loaves that isn't a part of the cordon per se. It's something separate as part of the Nazir's concluding process. But in any case, this, since it's not part of the animal, the animal offering is a peace offering. It's not brought here. Okay. There's no mention of what to do about the Zroa Bishela. There wouldn't, of course, be any cooking of the Zroa. The question is, what's with the Zroa? That right foreleg, can the woman who brings us as an Adava, as a voluntary peace offering, can she eat it? Or no, it must be eaten only by Kohanim and Is it restricted? So, um, it's not explicit in the Mishnah. According to Tosfos, it would be restricted from a regular non-Kohan to eat it. Um, if that Isra would persist here also, according to Rambam based in Yerushalmi, not the case, it would be permitted. Okay, so then there's no issue of Zeroh at all. Now, that is the how to deal with the three kind of Korbanos if she consecrated something that belonged to her. What happens, and they're animals, but what happens if Hayula Maos, what if they were not animals that were consecrated, but money set aside for Korbanos? Now, the general rule is that when a person sets aside money for a Korban, um, the money takes on the same strictures and sanctity, essentially, as the korban itself. So what do we do here? So first of all, what happens if hayula ma'ostumen? What if she set aside money, and she said, these are for my korbanos, but she didn't specify which korban. So the money isn't consecrated with specifically chatas or ola or shlamim kadusha, just as kadusha for nazir's concluding sacrifice. So what do we do then? So it can't be specific, and therefore we might be kind of stuck but there is a halachla Moshe Misinai, a stand-alone tradition from Har Sinai, that the, in such a situation, Yiplul and Nadava, they go to Nadava, which means there were these 13 chests um, for communal funds inside the base of Mikdash called Shofaros, um, and seven of them were labeled Nadava, Voluntary offerings, and from which they were used Kate Mizbeach when the when the um, altar was idle. So then they would use sacrifices purchased with the money from those voluntary Nadava shofros boxes um, to purchase olos burnt offerings, which were burnt to keep the 
Mizbeach active all the time. So that is what the money should be used for. Yiplu Nadava means the money that she consecrated should go into the chest labeled Nadava in the base of Mikdash, and then they'll use that money to purchase um, olos that are generic olos to be burning when nothing else. Kate Mizbeach, when the idol, when the Mizbeach is always idle. Now, Maos Mufurashim, what happens if she specified a specific korban? She took this money, she said this gold coin will be dedicated for my, and she lists each of the three korbanos, any of the three. So now, what do we do with such coins? Demei chatas, if the money was consecrated to be a chatas, a sin offering. So we said that the money gets the same status as the offering. And since the rule of the chatas was that it can't be offered anymore, so we have to, it's just left to die, the analogous situation would be getting rid of the money without spending it, but sort of leaving it to die, so to speak, which means, yelchu lam yam hamelach. The money is thrown into the Dead Sea. It's specifically the Dead Sea, because the Dead Sea, no one passes there, there's no ships, there's no swimmers, and, and that being the case, the assumption is it'll, it'll never be found ever again, so it's kind of gone lost from civilization, from humanity, um, and that's the thing to do with it. And one may not get benefit from this coin prior to throwing to the Dead Sea. But if one does, there's no rule of me'ila, of misappropriation of consecrated property. To understand this, just a moment's background is required, of course. Um, there, me'ila is the prohibition against benefiting from consecrated property. Korbanos are basically divided into two categories, Kadshe Kachim and Kachim Kalim. Um, the more sanctified Kadshe Kachim differ from Kachim Kalim in three ways. One of the three ways is that when they are, when the rules of Me'ila kick in. The rules of Me'ila are that if, we're talking about, let's say, Achatas. So a sin offering is Kadshe Kachim. The Pasuk specifies Mikadshe um, Hashem, the things that are consecrated to Hashem, which are Kadshe Kachim. Those things, Nefesh Kitimol Ma'al, the person who does meal on them from that which is Hashem, the sanctified things like like in such a situation if a person let's say you know rode on the back or sold the wool or whatever the story is of Echatas so then if they did it um, which is the usual assumption they did it on accident they didn't know what they were doing they didn't realize it was consecrated the consequences would be um paying back the value of what they benefited from, adding an extra chomish, call it 25%, um, of what they used. And then in addition, also there's a, there's a asham, a special mm-hmm. sacrifice called the asham for me'ila, for misappropriation of consecrated property. That applies um, to kachim, kach- like a chatas, an ola, and a, an asham, immediately upon the consecration of the animal. So once you say this animal set aside to be a chatas, if someone now goes on a ride the back of the animal or something like that, then he is on the hook for me'ila. In contrast, kachim kalim, the less strict, sanctified um, offerings, that would include the shlamim, the toda, the bachor, the maeser, and the pesach. So if you have one of those animals, like a shlamim, and our Mishnah has a shlamim here, so then there's no... Me'ila on the animal when it's consecrated, because it's not called Mekadji Hashem, as the Pasuk says, until after the blood has been offered of the animal on the Mizbeach. Okay, at that point it does become liable to Me'ila. So over here, we have a Chatas. This Chatas um, would have been subject to Me'ila, but we only have money for a Chatas, and this money is never going to be used for a Chatas, because it can't, because there's no woman anymore who's obligated to bring this Chatas, because she's not a Nazir anymore. And therefore... Lecharchila will treat it, so to speak, with a stricture of 
Me'ili, you shouldn't use this money. It's a machlokas, whether we're talking about uh, that's a Darais or Darabonin. But at all events, if one does use the money to get benefit from it, since really the money for this Chathas never could be used for a Chathas because of this canceled Zira status, so therefore there's certainly no Me'ila involved after the fact. So that's what the Mishnah says here. Lo um, Nehenim, you may not get use benefit from the money set aside for the Chathas. Instead, it has to be thrown to the Dead Sea. But if you do use it, there's no crime of me'ila. Okay? Now, ola, the money that was set aside to purchase an ola offering, the burnt offering. So there we said, since there's such thing as an ola's nadava, voluntary ola, ola, you could bring an ola in its place. You can use the money to purchase a voluntary offering. She brings that instead. And if someone would use that money, instead of spending it on the Ola, since an Ola is Kache, Kachim, it's from a Kachi Hashem, and therefore someone who spends that money gets benefit from it, is liable to the consequence of Meila, paying the money, adding 25% to Chomesh, and bringing the Asher Meila, so assuming they did it Bishogig inadvertently. Now, Demei Shlamim, the money set aside for the Shlamim, so now, Yaviu Shlamim, again, the money could be used to purchase the Shlamim, and brought as a voluntary Nadava Shlamim, so that's easy. Um, but we treat that shlam like we said before with the strictures of the shlam that would have been brought by Nazir because that's the kedusha in which it was invested, and therefore that shlamim that was brought on a voluntary basis must be eaten uh, only on that day it was brought or that night. There's no requirement to bring loaves of bread with it. Just as we said regarding the no bring of bread with the actual animal that was consecrated. Um, as far as the zro b'shela, so. Same discussion would apply. As far as Me'ila goes, same discussion meaning it's Mechlok Tzosos Rambam, as far as the Me'ila goes, there's no mention in the Mishnah, that's because it's obvious. It's obvious that um, that there's no applicability of the rules of Me'ila yet, because since Ashlamim is Kadshim Kalim, not Mekadshim Hashem, it's not subject to the rules of Me'ila until after the blood is brought, so spending the money before the animals bought certainly is not, certainly is not Me'ila. So therefore... Um, that's the case for any shlamim. Um, also, as far as using the money, so it's also clear that l'charchila be ushered to do, because uh, you can't use the money to see for a korban, but bidi evid, if one did use it, so then certainly they'd not be liable for mila, like we said before, because there's no actual technical mila on um, their money, just like the animal of a shlamim prior to its blood being offered on the mezbeach.